thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I'm a I'm a very big fan of yours. I have a reanimator poster up in my my room, and I have. Uh, Let's say I've had a lot, quite a few great talks with my wife as she really enjoys watching your movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of arguments with your wife about why on earth are you uh, doing I, that. Oh, <laughs> that's it's exactly what I mean. <laughs> I guess I want to talk in particular about the screening that's going to be happening at the Texas uh, Theater later this month. You know, it's been it's been 30 years since the movie came out. What do you personally get out of now that it's been all this time, and how has your relationship changed with the film? Are you still finding new things to discover about it from these Q&As that you do and these discussions and going to uh, Comic-Cons? I don't know if you do anything like that, but just what, what, what do you get out of it uh, now? kind of a satisfaction to people that there's still an audience for it, um, especially since it was, um, since society was a, um, was a big flop when it came out, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it didn't at all kind of do what I thought, you know? And except for in a couple of territories, like, um, you know, in the UK, it, it, it worked. You know, in the UK, it um, it did well, but um, you know, back then, this was 1989. Uh, you didn't know. You know, it's not like we, you know, there was no internet, so that you didn't, uh, you know, if something did well somewhere else, you had no idea about it. They might tell you that you didn't, um, you know, you didn't really, really. Um, see anything mm-hmm. and um so it was kind of you know i was it you know it really disappointed me when that when that movie didn't do well because i just thought it was so much fun you know i mean, i just thought it was great and that it was gonna break box office records and stuff. but of course that's just naivete and i um so when i don't know i think it was about in you know about 10 years ago it started, um, I started getting inquiries about it. And that was really surprising and really gratifying because all of a sudden it was something, you know, all of a sudden it, it found this new audience. I think it's part of the, um, you know, part of this kind of, I don't know, kind of a, a, an interest in, in, um, you know, all things 80s. Right. And I think there's this, and then I think it's also an interest in kind of trying to figure out what happened to the movies with CGI. And especially for people who kind of more or less grew up with CGI. I don't know. Maybe, I think a lot of the people that are, that kind of are um, interested in society now were like kids when it came out. So they might have gotten it in nineteen in the early nineties, they might have gotten it from Blockbuster or something. Yeah. On VHS. And so, you know, when you're when you're kind of really young and you see, you know, horror movies, they really make an impression on you. I know it did with me, you know. And that that never leaves you. <laughs> and as you get older you kind of look back and 
kind of enjoy it in a different way, just like, you know, people want to play the old Nintendo games now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or, you know, it's kind of like they go, wow, I remember that. And for a while I thought it was just really old and dorky. And now I go, wow, this stuff was pretty cool. You adjust to the technology. And I think that there was, there's that. But then there's also an audience that I don't think ever saw it, because I know when I go to screenings now, sometimes we'll ask, you know, how many people haven't seen the movie? Yeah. And there will always be a substantial number. So it isn't just, it isn't just, you know, people who are old enough to remember it. It's, there is another, a, a, a new audience. And that um, kind of, it kind of is really fun to see because you know, I've made a lot of movies, and a lot of them nobody wants to see anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know why, but um, but they but you know. So when you have one that does, that people do want to see, it really it really makes it a a special event. I think part of it is because it's eighties. It's a it has you know it's not digital. Wasn't I mean it's shot on film edited on film mm-hmm. the effects are all practical you know all that kind of stuff and since the you know since the 80s once we got into digital we've lost all the kind of the rubber and mechanical effects pretty much on, especially on the independent movies and I think when people see it they realize that they're it's different it's not that CGI is worse any more than than um optical effects were worse than stop motion you know yeah it's everything's everything's of its own ilk but there is something about puppets and puppetry that has a kind of a life to it that um that we don't get from digital unless it's really high end I mean, it, you know if you have really high end digital you can you really kind of get a sense of performance but you know, if you don't have a ton of money, it's it's pretty you know it's kind of stripped down. So there's something about that. I think there's a there's a kind of a tone to the movies from the '80s and from other eras that you know every era has its own kind of you know kind of storytelling tone. Like when we look at the '70s, sometimes I look at movies from the '70s and I go, "Gosh, I can't believe they did that." You know, right. how did they, you know, and um, today, and I think that in the 80s, there's a sort of, in some ways more, you know, you know, some ways people accepted less for more, um, but on the other hand, there's something, about, there, it kind of seems like a little less fettered by self-consciousness, um, maybe pretentiousness you know, maybe politically incorrect, this, this type of stuff. So I think a lot of, a lot, a lot um, folds into it, but it, it, and of course with society especially, you know, nobody's ever done a movie like that again. True. So it's not like it's like you're watching an early Nightmare on Elm Street or, you know, even Halloween or something, movies that were imitated and, and copied over and over again. Um, there are seminal movies. Well, society isn't. <laughs> you know, for me, it's almost like when I watch The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And I go, where did this come from? 
whoever thought of doing this, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a little bit how I think society is. Yeah, I'm sure you've recognized the influence, because after... It was a movie that I grew up with. Uh, I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about how horror movies were my babysitters growing up just because I, uh, I was very much a VHS kid and would go into video stores as a eight-year-old and look at the VHS copies and try to imagine, like, what those movies could be about. And uh, I, I have fond memories of looking at the VHS copy of society and wondering, but I can, a lot of things kind of came to mind through your, through your uh, answer to the previous question. I don't know if you notice it with a lot of movies from, or maybe the movies that you've been a part of kind of fit into that uh, scene from Back to the Future where he's like, I guess you guys aren't quite ready for that yet. Your, your grandkids are going to love it. Right. And Maybe that's what it is, right? You're right. Yeah, because, you know, I saw they did a special screening of Reanimator last year, or earlier this year, actually, before uh, Texas Frightmare. And they had Jeffrey Combs there and uh, Barbara Crampton. But what was so fun, not only because they showed the movie in 35 millimeter like they're going to be doing at Texas Theater with Society. As you said, you know, asking the audience beforehand, like, how many of you guys have not seen this movie? And then when that happened, I looked around me, and there was a lot of adults there that, exactly like you said, were probably kids that grew up watching the movie, and they're sharing it with their kids. And uh, it's just, it's a very special event. And I think that's probably what you're going to probably see more and more of as you do this more often. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I know there's been, there's, boy, there's a lot of screenings of society recently. Uh, you know, around, you know, it, like I'm going in a week to um, Germany uh-huh. and, to, and then to um, um, Norway, you know. So there is this. You know, it's, and it does have a certain age, so that's good. But I do think that there is a sense of, I like your idea that it's like that the audience wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that makes it seem like it's something, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be, could be. Um, I know that sometimes you just, you know, not every movie, but sometimes it does take time for things to find an audience <laughs> and you have to find a context for it and have a way to enjoy it. And yes, you're, and you're right. You know, when society first came out, I'd go to screenings and, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of fun. Because <laughs> you know? it just didn't seem like people kind of got the fun of it, you know. Right. But, Were you forward thinking at the time? Because I, you know, I, I own the Arrow video release and I've watched the... Uh-huh the special features on that and you spoke in the way that you talk about the movie and the experience at the time I I gather that you're extremely wise guy and you say that you know oh it's no reanimator too bad but did you feel the pressure at the time that you needed to maybe capture that same lightning in a bottle versus uh, I don't know uh, not being boxed in as a filmmaker because looking at your filmography I can't think of too many filmmakers who try to push 
the limitations of storytelling or visual storytelling like you do uh, compared to, you know, like going from society to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I just can't imagine you, when you were at the time, you know, a parent, had kids and you have to like, I don't know, I'm just imagining myself being a father and then exploring the, the dark corners of my mind and finding time to like be a parent too, you know? Yeah, I never had a problem with that part of it. And honey, I shrink the kids. You got to—I mean, Stuart Gordon and I actually came up with that idea in my backyard at a barbecue <laughs> with our families because we both had kids. And Stuart said, "Hey, we should make a movie for our kids." And I said, "Well, you know, I always imagined being real little when I was a kid and riding on a bee and a bump and a ant and a." and everything was so dramatic, the grass is big. And we immediately kind of kind of um, improvised the story, which is the story that came out, and even said, oh, we should take it to Disney and we should have Fred McMurray in it, because we were both fans of, like, in my era, the cool Disney movies were like the Shaggy Dog and, you know, the Flubber one. <laughs> right. And they were, because that's that's what you, you know, you didn't get a lot of fantasy. And they, oh, of course, you have Ray Harryhausen. You know, but, you know, it wasn't like it is today where movies are mainly fantasy, you know, comic books and stuff. Back then, you got very little of it. But if you think about it, uh, and I'm, I've always been a big fan of fantasy, um, but you have to understand that it, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids with a little darker lighting and a little uh, downbeat ending, you have a horror movie. Right. You know, it's not fantasy. It's, you know, it's not like there's a big distance. The thing about horror to me is that it's, it's more dreamlike. You know, it's, it's a more nightmare-like, but it's, it's you know, I like the surrealistic part of it. The mm-hmm. more, the more um, you know, free associative part of things. And because that's, and I like fantastical stuff. Um, I mean, I like every kind of movie, but I'll watch a bad horror, but I won't watch a bad rom-com, you know, mm. that doesn't give me any pleasure. But I can watch some, you know, I'll watch, you know, the um, Ghost of the Invisible Man, you know, <laughs> yeah. and get a kick out of it, you know, I'll sit through it. But I, but so, you know, that kind of appeals to me. And, and I think that fantasy, you know, I, is just a, another way, you know, it's just a, it's kind of an arm of the same thing. You know, horror just gets, you know, horror for me has a, you know, I used to always kind of joke that, you know, if it was scary, it was kind of a thriller. And if it was, um, you know, if it, were, if it had fluid, if it was scary and it had fluid, then it's horror, you know, some kind of fluid. And if it has metal, then it turns into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You know, so what we made from beyond by putting the machine, the, you sort of all of a sudden open it up to being more of a sci-fi. You know, it, uh, it changed. it's not just horror now. There's a machine, you know. And I think that with horror, there's also this, this kind of nausea that, you know, nausea that you get when you get a big horror moment. You know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's 
a physical thing. It's almost like you feel almost sick, you know, almost, uh, you know, you feel it in your body. And I think that's a, you know, that's a horror feeling, but that's not the feeling you look for when you watch fantasy. Fantasy, it's kind of more a, a sense of wonder, but it can still have fear. It just doesn't go to the the horror part of it, you know. Right. And I think that's why people always um, kind of are really surprised, you know, surprised at seeing the ant die and and Honey I Shrunk the Kids. And that's because it kind of almost gets to horror when you get to something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all of a sudden, hey, this isn't so fun. <laughs> but we like that ant, but. But it's, uh, I think that it, I don't see, I don't think it's as, as big of a stretch as as it might appear. On paper, but with, yeah. Yeah, well, when you talk, you say, oh, honey, I shrunk the kids, and, and you know, Reanimator, or, you know, Society, or Necronomicon, or something, and you look, you say, yeah, well, you can make these, you could, you can take these movies and make them as light or dark as you want. I Put them through different you know. filters. Yeah, and I think with my kids, and when I was making society, to your other question, yeah, I really wanted it to be really good. Um, now, I had produced a few movies by then, and we had already been, because before I made society, um, I had produced Reanimator from Beyond and Dolls mm-hmm. with Stuart Gordon. And um, and on from beyond on both of those. Well, with Stuart, you were already guaranteed a certain um, level of quality um, because of his deep experiences, you know, in directing. Um, I think most people that, that are fans know that Stuart was a theater director for like ten years before he did a, did Rian. So when you look at it as a first movie, you're looking, you're going, wow, that's a great first movie. But you go, yeah, not, but you got to understand, he's been directing actors for 10 years professionally. So that means that you have a, um, he's got the chops, you know. And so with Stuart doing those movies, you always had a good a story well told, you know. And that's generally where where movie makers fail is kind of kind of just hard to get the story to kind of hold together for whatever your cool ideas are. Mm-hmm. And um, so with From Beyond, we thought it was going to. We thought that was going to be big. It was really you know we really put a lot into it. We thought, wow, we really got the stuff now, and it, we and um, it you know, didn't do much, you know. It wasn't, I mean, today it, would, it's a, it has a great reputation. And people did like it, of course, you know. That unlike society, I'm talking about the, like, the horror festivals and stuff. Sure. On society, I mean, even my friends with society kind of were indulgent of me, you know. <laughs> but the, but the, um, but with, from beyond, people really liked it, but it didn't make a splash. Well, for one thing, it was a, it was, um, you know, it wasn't that kind of unrated experience that Reanimator is. Mm-hmm. 
it's going for a wider audience. And um, I think also it's a little more complicated. The story isn't, I mean, with Reanimator's story is so simple and so direct. And with From Beyond, it, you know, it isn't quite as. And, um, and I think that they, there was a, and also I think that that you know the audience had already been um, exposed to Stewart's type of storytelling, so it wasn't the big splash. So you might say if From Beyond was the first movie before Reanimator, it might have been a bigger movie. It might have been much more surprising. Mm-hmm. But it came after, and so it had that feeling that, and in a sense, we were trying to. Um, you know, with Reanimator, we didn't know how it was going to end up because it was a brand new thing. So, however it ended up is how it ended up. But with From Beyond, we kind of knew we were wanting it to be. You know, we had Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. You know what I mean? We were kind of making a quasi sequel. You know, sure. to to Reanimator. So there's a more of a self consciousness of, of the movie making. When I, but it was still really good, you know. There's a high, high bar. When I did, uh, so when I was going to try directing, and I tried, um, now, and you understand that when I, I had, I had the, I owned uh, Reanimator because I financed it, mm-hmm. and I, so I owned it. I still own it, and I had the sequel rights, and so when I decided to. I wanted to direct that some friends of mine were starting a little company called Wild Street Pictures. Yeah. And they had some financing from Japan and and they and I went to them and said, Hey, do you wanna you know I'll I we I wanna I I, I wanna direct. I'll direct re, they, I'll I will i will direct um Bride of Reanimator. You get to do the have the sequel. They said, great. I said, yeah, but I want a two-picture deal. Mm-hmm. And I want the first picture to be a different one. Because yeah. I figured that if I screwed up on the first one, I'd still get another chance. There's a, you know, there's a saying that a director makes you know, two movies in one with his first movie. His first one and his last one. Mm-hmm. You know, because most, a lot of people get a chance to direct a movie. But it's really hard to direct more, you know, more movies. Yeah. Because you have tons of promise, and then unless you just kind of hit it out of the park, you're, you know, you don't get another chance. Sure. Um, so this was, so with Society, I had just, um, you know, that was the first one, and I, but at that time, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, um, yeah, I was daunted by the fact that it was, I wanted it to be real good. It wasn't so much that I felt like I, part of it, I guess, was that I didn't want to kind of come up short based on the movies I produced that I thought were really good. Um, But also, um, it was just the, um, it's just that you want to do, you just are enthusiastic. You want to do something. And I think at that time in my life, I think a lot of it has to do with my age, you know. Mm-hmm. I was in my 30s. 
and a lot of it had to do with I was kind of new to the movie business and I was really just enthusiastic about making movies and the the enthusiasm and the energy kind of were were bigger than a fear of failure <laughs> you know right it's like they just way overcomes a fear of failure where you you know you feel it every inch of the way and something's not working the the, um, the pain comes slowly and steadily mm. um, but and the same goes for when things work out the you see it working almost on a daily basis so I, we were I was so enthusiastic about society and the writers that I worked with um, Woody Keith and Rick Pry and the um, effects guy screaming at George I mean we we were all so enthusiastic and having so much fun that it was just um, I don't know it was just great now when the movie was done it was disappointing because I didn't realize because I thought it was so authentic you know I loved it so much that um I, it really, I wasn't used to making a movie where people were um, kind, of, kind of damning you with faint praise. And that kind of made, and, and I mean, the reviews were terrible. You know, like the Variety review was like just scabbing. <clears throat> yeah, I went and, back and uh, read it. Yeah, and we got that review on the second day of shooting Bride of Redemption. <laughs> So you're kind of going, whoa! You know? So really getting it, you know? <laughs> that did that affect Bride of Reanimator and your your mindset throughout that process? No, because no, because I never felt you know unlike Stewart who had already been in he had already been in the theater business he was already an accepted an accepted entity because there is a certain level if you get if you ever go to the Cannes Film Market. Film Festival mm-hmm. and go to they have all these movies in competition and they're theoretically the creme de la creme in the whole world but most of them you wouldn't want to see you go watch them you know see the whole red carpet it can't, you go and you go whoa you know but a filmmaker who has been accepted within a I'm sure it's like that at like in Texas um, for the South by Southwest. Fantastic. I, I've never yeah. been, but I, I I know about it and everything, and I know that some some filmmakers or some film people are just part of the group, right? Just part of the the extended society of that, the aesthetic of it, and anything that they do is going to be accepted in some way you know maybe it won't be the best or something but it's just going to be important you know mm-hmm. because they're part of the whole thing but if you're but you can if you don't have that then if you're if you don't really hit it out of the park or you don't do something that fits well then it can there is nothing to support you um, with like I said with Stuart he already had a support of having a, a, a track record of, sure. of, um, of a success in theater and then in movies, whereas I didn't. And 
also, I never even, you know, it never occurred to me really to try to, you know, my inclination was to have a success like Reanimator and then go to the independents and make little independent movies. I never, now I look back and I go, well, you know, you could have just stepped up and gone to Fox, you know. Because now I know how that works, you know, I know how that whole system works. And I realize, yeah, if you have something that stands out, you get chances to do things in the big time. You know, you can build up in the big time, you know, be a Sam Raimi if you're lucky. But um, but I never, I just never saw myself as part of the, system, of the whole thing. I, when I came to Hollywood to make movies, I already had two kids. I was already grown up. You know, I'd never taken a movie class or anything like that, you know. I was in my 30s, and I came out, and all I wanted to do, I just thought, wow, if I could make a living making movies, that would be great. And I kind of scraped my way along to, and was able to do that to, after one fashion or another. What I didn't ever come out to do was, I never knew what the, you know, what, what we consider Hollywood system is, you know. And so I never kind of, I, you know, I've never had an agent in my life, you know. I've never had a manager because I just never, I, I don't know, it, I didn't know that it didn't, that wasn't, it wasn't kind of my goal coming in. It wasn't kind of, I never joined a guild, you know. Um, I just kind of wanted to make movies and, and, I, and I kind of did it. Now I, I could have done it maybe, you know, I could have had um, a bigger career for sure, but I'm not sure that, um, you know, it could be that just given my background and my makeup, it just wasn't what, um, what um, you know, was, I didn't see it. And so just like I told you, I had the sequel to Reanimator. Well, what do you do with the sequel to Reanimator? Don't you go to Paramount? Let's <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> do the sequel, you know? Um, no, I went to my buddy who was making little movies with money from from um, Japan. That's what attracted me. Because, And quite frankly, the movies I've done for the most part, um, I've been able to do whatever I wanted. You know, just like with Reanimator, there was, uh, it wasn't rated because I didn't want to get a rating because I thought they'd take out the stuff I liked. Right. So I didn't have it rated. It, I didn't have to ask anybody. You know, there was nobody to ask. I, I could decide that. And the same thing goes for with society. I did have guys who, I didn't produce society. And, and I did have people above me on that who were financing it. And so I did have to deal with them. But in general, I did whatever I wanted. Nobody told me, change the script, don't shoot that, cut it this way. And, you know, it never happened. And the same thing goes for Bride of Reanimator and most of the other movies I've made, I've, um, I've, you know, for better or for worse, <laughs> I haven't had to ask, you know, I don't, I don't have somebody telling me how to change the script or how to shoot the movie or what I can do or can't do it. So that's a certain positive part of it. On the negative part, you maybe tend to do things that aren't particularly popular. And so with society, Obviously, at the you know it just went against the grain. What I thought was my taste is not the public taste. 
And my taste was that I thought society was a great deal of fun, but not many other people thought that, not in this country. And, but in UK, Sight and Sound Magazine gave it huge, great reviews. They had me write for them. You know, it, it was treated as a real, a real movie in, in the UK and in France and in Italy to another degree. But then, you know, like 10 years ago, an Italian grad student sent me a, a dissertation they'd done on society. Mm-hmm. You know? And so you look at it, you go, God, who knows? You don't know what's, what's what, you know? Yeah. So for me, when you're getting these, you know, like getting the bad review, you know, being slammed in variety, well, to a certain degree, I'd seen Reanimator get good reviews in variety. I'd seen From Beyond get a mediocre review because it was, you know, they, they were recognizing that it was from Reanimator. But with society, it, whoever, I forget who did it, but man, that guy didn't like it. And you kind of go, God, guy, lighten up. <laughs> you know, yeah. what do you think? You know, this is a this is this is this is for fun. This is um, you know, this is a yeah. You don't you don't need to be you know what are you what are you doing? You know, why get so personal about it? Yeah, you don't you need know. to be putting movies all in the same box. Yeah, well, today, yeah, today there's a much more of a um, of a, a recognition of genre. So yeah. Today, reviewers, because of the internet, reviewers are are really afraid to not be with the public taste. Yeah. You know, back in the '80s, it wasn't like that. They were still, and it got it's even worse if you go further back. You know. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time when the reviewers felt like they were setting the standards, you know, that they are, because that's the way it is like in France and stuff. You, you know, the, the reviewers, the intelligentsia are the ones who set the standards, who know better and who should lead the audience. Well, that's all kind of collapsed completely. It was always never quite as much like that in the U.S. as in Europe, but especially once we got into the VHS era, well, not even the VHS era, but the Internet era, when all of a sudden everybody's a critic. Sure. And you don't need critics to tell you what a movie's like. Now we have critics that are afraid to come down against a movie that ends up being popular because it makes them inconsequential. Yeah. And so they want to be consequential. So there, you almost get the feeling that reviewers, that the only reviewers who are, who are, um, who are unfettered in their opinion, who say what they really think, are the are the ones who are just individuals, you know, or for little, for some little webcast or you know podcast or something. You know, or you go on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience reviews or something. Well, those people will just tell you what they think. But the professional reviewers, you get the feeling that a lot of times they take these bad genre movies and and give them way better credit than they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> because they're afraid to... On the one hand, they're afraid that they are going to get caught you know, not give, giving a bad review to something that turns out to be the new saw or something. 
And on the other hand, they're afraid that they're gonna, um, they don't really, they're not real genre people. And so it's kind of like if you have someone who's not a really a horror movie, a horror fan, reviewing a horror movie, because now they're such a main part of our of the movies today, they, you know, they're, they really don't like the genre, so what they like about a horror movie is exactly what I don't like about a horror movie that, to me, doesn't work. But it's not enough. It's not uh, doesn't take it seriously enough, or doesn't isn't enough of a genre movie. And so, so it's kind of like if if you were if you have a classical music critic um, reviewing heavy metal band, right? And then they kind of really like the parts that were really quiet and melodic. And you kind of go, no, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. This is heavy metal. Right. So you can't, you know, you you can't really, you know, I'm not saying that you can't um, be, you know, uh, certain critics shouldn't uh, review certain movies. But if you look (laughs) at it in the music area, hey, don't ask me to, to review rap. I could, you know, there'd be one in many that I would give a good review, <laughs> you know, because I don't, I don't like that music. I don't get it. It's out of my time. Just like, don't tell my parents to, to say what they like about rock and roll or about, you know, um, you know, you, there's certain stuff you're not, um, it's not part of your sensibility. So I'm not sure. You know, yeah. I think that there, there are parts of movie making that is just plain technically proficient or not. And certainly there's things about society that are that are kind of awkward and not very good movie making, bad acting, all this kind of stuff. But that's usually not, that's usually not, the bad reviews usually weren't about that because that kind of a bad review is... A meh review. It's kind of a doesn't care kind of review. It's a PG, it's not really that great. But they were against it, and that just meant that what they were against was that it made them feel the way they didn't want to feel. They didn't like what it was doing. And today, for some reason, people like it because I guess they just see something they hadn't seen before. I don't know. You know? I never cared. I mean, I never kept my kids from watching movies. Um, from the time they were real little, I let them watch all kinds of horror movies. They were on the set. They would go to dailies, you know. They'd be in the movies. But now, as a grandfather, I'm very careful about what I would show to my grandkids without their parents' permission. And I actually, it's funny, now as a grandparent, I'm not all so sure that kids should watch all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, but with my kids, like my kids did. My kids did from the time they could crawl, you know. And maybe it, maybe it screwed them up, I don't know. But I never kept it away from them, and I always just had a great time doing it. You know? Yeah. Well, you, you said a lot of things that I could sit here all day and discuss, but uh, I would love to speak with you much longer about the surrealism aspect and much of everything else that you've talked about, but I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I'm very, very appreciative of you taking the time to speak with me. Sure, 
turn up. 